Hello, my name is Cheyenne, and today I'm going to be talking about the Age of Enlightenment, also known as the Great Age of Reason. From 1715 to 1789, the era was the century period of scientific and philosophical innovation. So, how did some Enlightenment philosophers influence the development of American government? So, today I'm going to be talking about four. We got Thomas Hobbes as our first one. So due to Hobbes' ideas, they saw that people could not survive without a strong central government that would protect them. His social contract theory established that a government should serve and protect all the people in the society, acting only with the consent of the governed. This influenced the U.S. Constitution. Next, I have John Locke. His political theory of government by the consent of the governed as a means to protect the three natural rights of life, liberty, and estate deeply influenced the United States founding documents. His essays on religious tolerance provide an early model for the separation of church and state. Next, I have Baron de Montesquieu. His views and studies of governments led to him to believe that government corruption was probable if a system of government didn't include balance of powers. He conceived the idea of separating government authority into the three major branches— executive, legislative, and judicial, which we still have today. Next, hopefully I say this right, Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Rousseau. Um, He had a major impact on modern governments through the advancement of the philosophy of social contract. Through his work, he was able to transform mostly despotic government institutions into democratic institutions based on individual freedoms. All right. Next question, why did the Articles of Confederation need to be revised? So, the Articles created a loose confederation of sovereign states and a weak central government, leaving most of the power with the state governments, meaning that they were quite separated in their rules in the country. They just didn't have any together. Um, And the the need for this strong federal government soon became apparent and actually led to the Constitutional Convention in 1787. So what happened at the Constitutional Convention? Um, It was held in Philadelphia between May 25th to September 17th um, in 1787. So the procedure, what went down when it happened? So the Congress may, by a two-thirds vote in each chamber, propose a specific amendment. If at least three-fourths of the states ratify it, the Constitution is amended. Alternatively, the states may call on Congress to form a constitutional convention to propose amendments. Now, some of the delegates that were there was John Blair, James Madison Jr., George Mason, James McClurg, Edmund J. Randolph, George Washington, and George Wythe. One of the most famous reasons for why certain delegates didn't sign was that the document lacked a legitimate Bill of Rights, which would protect the rights of states and the freedom of individuals. Three main advocates of this movement were George Mason, Elbridge Gerry, and Edmund Randolph. Some of the compromises that were made there was the Great Compromise, the Three-Fifths Compromise, and the Electoral College. So what were the two sides that emerged after the Constitution was sent for ratification? There were two sides to the Great Debate, the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. The Federalists wanted to ratify the Constitution, and the Anti-Federalists did not. One of the major issues between these two parties debated concerned the inclusion of the Bill of Rights. So what did each side argue? 
Federalists argued for counterbalancing branches of government. In light of charges that the Constitution created a strong national government, they were able to argue that the separation of powers among the three branches of government protected the rights of the people. The Anti-Federalists opposed the ratification of the 1787 U.S. Constitution because they feared that the new national government would be too powerful and thus threaten individual liberties, given the absence of a Bill of Rights. And they went on in the debate, and they just kind of debated back and forth until they all made those compromises, like I said, with the Great Compromise and the Three-Fifths Compromise and the Electoral College. So how did the Constitution get ratified ratified and go into effect? On September 28th, Congress directed the state legislators to call ratification conventions in each state. Article 7 stipulated that nine states had to ratify the Constitution for it to go into effect. Significantly, state conventions, not Congress, were the agents of ratification. This took about 10 months. Um, some states took longer to ratify. We got, this was, so keep in mind this happened in around like January. Let me see. So yeah, it ended in September and it took a while for all of them to ratify. And these states right here didn't ratify until after April. So I got Maryland, South Carolina, New Hampshire, Virginia, New York, North Carolina, Rhode Island, and these all, again, ratified after April. It took the state so long to ratify the Articles of Confederation because the smaller states wanted all excessive land claims handed over to Congress instead of remaining with the original states. All right, so then let's talk about the main parts of the Constitution. There were three main parts the preamble, the seven articles, and the amendments. So the preamble sets the stage for the Constitution. It clearly communicates the intentions of the framers and the purpose of the document. The preamble is an introduction to the highest law of the land. It is not the law. It does not define government powers or individual rights. Then we have the seven articles. So the seven articles consisted of legislative branch, the executive branch, national unity and power, amending the constitutional, national supremacy, and ratification. Next, we got the amendments. So there's actually 27 amendments, and I thought it'd be a bit long to state all of them, but I did choose 10 of the most important ones, and I'll talk about those. So for the first one, I actually chose the First Amendment. We got freedom of religion, speech, the press, assembly, and petition. Next, I chose the fifth, no capital crime except when chargers by grand jury, no double jeopardy, and no witness against self. Next, we got the sixth, right to speedy trial, info about accusation, and help from court with lawyer. Then I got the 13th, which prohibits slavery. Then there's the 15th, so no denying vote because of race or color. Then the 18th, which actually got ratified or repealed by the 21st, so I put both of those in there. So the 18th states manufacture, sale, and transporting of alcohol beverages prohibited, prohibited, but they did repeal it in the 21st Amendment. Then you got 19th, women have the right to vote. And then 22, 
which limits president terms in office to two, and then the 26, which gave 18-year-olds our given right to vote. Now, that is all I have to say today, and I hope you learned about the development of our American government and some of the history behind it. Thank you.